Once you've done that, if you have a Bible with you and you'd like to turn to Galatians chapter 4, I am preaching along the same lines as your pastor has been preaching. And uh, I must tell you, I've had a lot of influence in this town, a lot of, a lot of interaction with many, many Christians in several different churches. was, a, was uh, instrumental in, uh, in uh, starting one of the churches here. Early on in the life of another of the churches, I was a youth pastor and lots of experience. I've preached on uh, many streets in San Angelo, had the police called on me. I have been, had my life threatened here in this beautiful city on numerous occasions because I went out looking for trouble all the time. And uh, I don't know if anyone in this room was with me when you were in high school or college and preached on the streets with me. Anybody here? No, nobody? Uh, I hope... I hope that's not an indication of how poorly I did in training them. They're probably out in the world looking for trouble, someplace to preach the gospel. But uh, it, is, it is a blessing to be back here and to be uh, supporting this ministry and this church because uh, I can't tell you how much Pastor Brandon and Krista mean to Miss Ann and me. They are uh, a real bright spot in our lives. With all that I've, my experience here in this city, this church is dearest to my heart. Amen. Galatians chapter 4 and verse 1. The Apostle Paul has an interesting point of view here. He says, I'll just read it from what you have up there. What I'm saying is that as long as the heir is a child, he is no different from a slave. Although he owns the whole estate, he owns everything. Verse 2. He is subject to guardians and trustees until the time set by his father. Verse 3. So also when we were children, we were in slavery under the basic principles of the world. Now let's stop right there. The Apostle Paul is trying to make us understand. Not that when we were children in our natural state, but when we were children in our understanding of how God deals with men. And people who are in the law and the regulations and rules and do's and don'ts of religion are children. That's what he's saying. Are children immature in their thinking. There must be rules. We have to have rules. We have to have laws. And they push them and talk them all the time. And he said, that's childish thinking. That's the way we thought before we knew God. We were trying to know God. We wanted to do right, jump through all the hoops. We, we, we would even create more hoops that God hadn't even thought of. Doing our best to, to be the best we could be. That's, that's the nature of man. When Adam sinned, the first thing he did was ran to a tree, a fig tree. And sewed some clothes. All in the right places, thinking God would be impressed like God hadn't seen all that stuff. Like God hadn't made all that. Like that wasn't even God's idea. And God never said, He didn't know. Oh, why, do you, why did you sew on fig leaves? Fig leaves. They've come to represent that which shows the separation between God and man. That we really don't know God. In our natural state. We can't know God in our natural state, Paul said. In our natural thinking, you just can't know God. You think you can. The, the Jews, they asked for a law. 
more of this says, let's, let's read verse 4. But when the time had fully come, God sent His Son, born of a woman, born how? Under the law. So it says that Jesus was born of a woman, born under the law. The first thought I want to give you, let me just get it here for you. The first thought is this. Being born human is the same as being born a slave. Because when Adam sinned, that, made, that meant that we were born in the condition that he had after his sin, not before his sin. We were born in a fallen state with the inability to talk to God. Now, some have said we were so cut off from God, we couldn't hear God's voice anymore. Pardon me, that's just not the truth. God hadn't sinned. On the day Adam sinned, he heard God's voice. Adam, where are you? He heard God's voice on the day he sinned. He, knew, ah, he didn't want to hear that voice. The real problem with man's condition is not that he doesn't know how to hear God. It's that he doesn't know how to talk to God. He ran to the fig leaves, put them on. Mark chapter 11, Jesus Walking into Jerusalem from Bethany. Got his disciples with him. Sees a tree. Thinks, hey, I'll get something to eat. Goes over to the tree. Looks around. There's no figs. Nothing but leaves. No figs at all, just leaves. The Bible says he's more than just Jesus. He's more than Savior. He's more than prophet. He's the last Adam. The Bible teaches us that this is the consummate man. The last Adam. The first Adam had used a fig tree to point up his separation between him and God. Here comes the last Adam walking down a road and there's another fig tree with no fruit on it offering nothing but leaves. And Jesus said, <laughs> I curse you. There'll never be any fruit grow on you from now on. Talk to the fig tree like it could hear him. And it, they went on into town. They came back and the fig tree had withered. You all remember the story, right? The fig tree had withered and the disciples were astonished. Hey, look at that. Look at that. Hey, hey. The fig tree, it's withered. Look at that. He said that on the way into town and on the way back. He said, look at that. It's amazing. The very first thing out of Jesus' mouth was, have faith in God. Do you see this? Do you see this? Your, your gyrations and your wants and your desires to try to please God will mean nothing forever because it's all how we have perceived we need to serve God. So many fig leaves. When Jesus told us right there, the essential thing to please God, faith. Without faith, it is impossible to please Him. And with faith, you've pleased Him com completely. You please Him fully. Can someone say amen? Amen. I'll preach better if you'll say amen. I'm mean, assuming you agree. And if you don't agree, I mean, God bless you, you have the right to be wrong. Amen. Everybody has that right. But, but you have to learn when you read the Bible to speak two languages. You have to learn how, how to think God's way and see how 
men think and how religion thinks. You have to constantly be thinking this because the language of the new covenant moves in and out of that. It's always talking about how we thought and what the law said. And that's what this passage specifically talks about. Verse 5. Let's read it. To redeem those under the law that we might receive the full rights of sons. He redeemed those under the law that we might receive the full rights of sons. He redeemed those under the law that we might receive the adoption, the King James says, the adoption of sons. Those under the law didn't receive the adoption. We received the adoption. How many Gentiles in the house? Red and yellow, black and white, and brown for Pete's sake. They are precious in his sight. I always feel like my Mexican cousins get left out, that little song. Praise God. <laughs> Do you ever feel that way, brother? Amen. Well, but we're all Gentiles. And we're all very closely related. You know, we all have a, 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 a common progenitor in a guy named Noah. Not six, six or eight thousand years ago with Adam. Four thousand years ago with Noah. We're all so closely related. Why are you so racially prejudiced? It's silly. Praise God. Well, they quit shouting. I noticed that right away. The little mouse looked out the baseboard. Oh, he could smell that cheese. <laughs> but he couldn't go. Oh, he tried several times. He tried many times, but every time he would get about halfway across that shiny kitchen floor, the cat seemed to appear out of nowhere and almost get him. But he was very aware of the cat's presence. Day in, day out, day in, day out, month in, month out. The cat, I mean, the mouse wanted the cheese. The cat wanted the mouse. It was a conundrum. A puzzle with no answer. Then one day the little mouse heard a sound that brought delight to his little heart. The sound was woof, woof, woof. All of a sudden, the little mouse thought, Woo, this is my lucky day. Because as much as I want the cheese and the cat wants me, that dog wants that cat. Out he went from his hole and out across that shiny floor, up the cabinet, reached to the cheese plate lid, pulled it off just about to get the cheese. The cat came out of nowhere, grabbed him and gobbled him down hole. Cat jumped down off of the cabinet, walked over to the corner of the dining room, sat down, rubbed his tummy and said, Man, in this world, if you're not bilingual, you could starve. Uh -huh. The Bible demands that you be bilingual, that you understand the state of man and how men talk and how you think. But it demands also that you understand God's way of thinking, God's way of speaking, the law and faith. That's what this passage points up. To redeem those under the law that we might receive the adoption or the rights of the full rights of sons. Notice this verse six. Because you are sons, God sent forth the spirit of his son into our hearts. The spirit who calls out Abba, father in verse seven, finally says, so you are no longer a slave. But a son, and since you're a son, God has made you also an heir. Hallelujah. Now this first thought was being born human is the same 
as being born a slave. First, he said the slavery of the world. Look up, look up at verse 3 again. So also we were children, when we were children, we were in slavery under the basic principles of the world. Now, we weren't enslaved as Gentiles. We were not enslaved to the law. We were enslaved to the world, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. We didn't get our sin because Moses wrote a law. We got our sin because we were born. You inherited it from your daddy. Right? The soil doesn't determine what grows in it. What determines what grows in the soil? The seed. That's how Jesus could be born of a real woman. Born of a real woman and not have any sin contamination. Because his father was God. He could be born of a real woman and have no sin contamination. Because even though sin is inherited, you don't inherit it from your mama. Pastor's wife said, yes. And all the women said, amen, you knew that. You just like your daddy. <laughs> of course he is. He's just like his daddy. A sinner. He passed it along in the natural. Because we're still in the natural in a fallen state. And when you're born the first time, you have a sentence that you will die twice. And the only cure is to be born twice. So that you'll only die once. You have to be born a second time. Learn another language. We were children, so we were under this death thing. I wanted to... Uh, Elizabeth Newton, a Stanford graduate, did a, a study on how hard it is, how difficult it is for human beings to ever go back once they learn something and to ever imagine what it's like not to know something that they, know, that they now know. That's why we lose patience with our children. What, really? You did that again? What, you know the consequences of it. They have not yet learned that. They're still under the bondage. Of the thing. Do you understand this? Still under the bondage because of a lack of knowledge. I don't want to say ignorance. That's what it is. It's a lack of knowledge. And so they're under the bondage that that lack of knowledge brings. And all of us have areas of our lives where we have no knowledge. I have a couple of doctors in our church in McKinney. Don't know how to live their lives. Have terrible lives. Smart as they can be. Smart, smart, smart. Smarter than Brandon almost. <laughs> almost. But don't know how to live their lives. Don't know the simplest things. See, all of us have ignorant areas. We're all a bunch of ignoramuses that have peaks of intelligence. I know how to tie my shoes. Uh, <laughs> Actually, I didn't. I, I just started wearing boots. I, I, it was too complicated. <laughs> right? We all have these areas. See, what Elizabeth Newton did was she proved it 
how hard it is for us to understand, conceptualize a lack of knowledge where we have knowledge. She got people together and she had one group that was called tappers and one group that was called listeners. And the tappers were to tap out the words of a song, a commonly known song. She had to tap out the word. They had to tap out the words of a song and the listener had to try to guess what song it was. Let me give you a few. Anybody know what song that is? No. 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 Nobody knows this twinkle, twinkle little star. They did 120 songs in this study. Did 120 songs. The listeners guessed three right. 2.5%. When they, before they started it, they asked the tappers, how many, how many you think will get your song right? They estimated that 50% would get it right. 2.5% got it right. Because it's hard for the person, see, it's hard. I knew what song it was, and I thought, sure, someone will get it. It just sounded exactly like, Twinkle, twinkle, little star, how I wonder what you are in the... Because it's impossible to not have the knowledge, and you're trying to convey it. This is what the law did. It tried to convey to men who had almost no chance of understanding it or living it. They had to somehow get that law inside of them so they could hear the tune from within rather than it just being communicated. You see, God didn't just give you the Spirit as Galatians, and I'm sure Pastor Brandon's already been talking to you about Galatians chapter 3, talking about the Spirit. He didn't just give you the Spirit. He gave you as believers the Holy Spirit. Don't forget His first name is Holy. That takes the place of a law, the need for a law. He's holy. He's inside you to cause holy living to take place. Without there being some Damocles sword. Oh, it's getting closer. One more step out, one more mistake, and it's over. I mean, you hear that kind of thing all the time. God was giving me my last chance. No, probably not. Because He wants you in heaven about a million times more than you want to be there. He's about a million times more dedicated to the proposition of making sure you make it to heaven than you will ever be. Because you going to heaven is not how God pays you for doing good. All religion believes that. Fig leaves. I've got to be good. I've got to cover this up so I can get to go to heaven. Islam believes that for Pete's sake. You do good, you get to go to heaven. False religion, pagan, made up by men. You going to heaven is how God the Father pays Jesus for what He did. That's a whole different light. 
He wants you there. He's trying to get Jesus paid. Glory to God. He wants you there. He wants Jesus paid. How many of you would like to see Jesus paid for what he did? Amen. Well, I've got to move along. Notice again. Verse 5. I mean, let, let, let's, I'm sorry. Let's read verse 4. Read verse 4 again. But when the time had fully come, God sent His Son, born of a woman, born under the law. God's plan for emancipation was Christ. God's plan for emancipation was Christ. Remember, we had two problems. We had the law and we have and the world. We were in slavery. We were in slavery to the world and its elements, and the Jews were in slavery to the law. Here comes Jesus now. Look what it says about him. It said he, he was he was born, made of a woman, made under the law, made of born of a woman, born under the law, born of a woman, born under the law. So he's a he's a, he's a real man. Praise God. He's, he's for every man. He's every man's Savior, but He's also the Savior of the Jews. He's, he's made under the law, born under the law. So he's, he's every man's Savior. The ones who are in the world and the ones who are under the law. He's a, he's a real man, but He's a real Jew. Earlier in Galatians chapter 2, they point out the difference between the Jews and us. When they, they say to the, uh, the apostles, Okay, Peter, James, John, you guys are going to preach to the Jews. Paul... Barnabas, but especially Paul, because Barnabas fell away from that commission. You're going to go to the Gentiles. And they eventually wound up in McKinney and San Angelo, Texas. They eventually wound up here. At least their message wound up here. The message that you are saved by grace through faith. You see, we celebrated the Lord's Supper today. But that message was not preached until Paul came along. Hear me. Every time Peter preached, he's accusing the Jews of having murdered Jesus and tells them to repent for doing it. You read his sermons. Shocking. Paul comes along and he says Christ died for our sins. They never preached that in the first part of the book of Acts. Not one time did they say Christ died for your sins. They say Christ died because you killed him. Paul had a revelation. That the reason Christ died was not because the Jews killed him, but because he gave his life for the sins of the world. Anybody heard the gospel lately? Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. And he was buried and he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. And finally, redemption has our sonship as its primary purpose. Verse 5, to redeem those under the law that we might receive the full rights of sons. Redemption has our sonship as its primary purpose. The Spirit, powerful living. I'll finish with this. We have both the Spirit for powerful living and an inheritance that is plenty of good things. Verses 6 and 7 say that. An old Methodist preacher I heard speak one time said a woman in his church had a car wreck. I think her name was Mary. And she had what the doctors called... Uh, incurable, irreversible, that's the word, irreversible amnesia. I, I wish I could say this is a great story about healing. It's not. But it's a great story. While she lay in the hospital, the pastor went to see her. 
And he said, Mary, my name is Pastor James, and I am your pastor, and I've been your pastor for all these many years. She said, he said, I know you don't know that. They've told me. He said, she said, well, you're right, sir, about one thing. I don't know you. In fact, those two young women standing at the foot of my bed there with those children, they claim to be my daughters, and I don't know that at all. I have nothing that tells me that's true except their word. Those little children are supposed to be my grandchildren. I cannot swear to that. This man standing here beside you says he's my husband. I believe his name is Paul. I can't, I can't verify that at all except that they tell me. I must accept their word. She said, in fact, I wouldn't even known who I was had they not told me. She said, I cannot identify one single thing of my life before the, the accident they said I had. Before I woke up here a few days ago, I can't put my finger on anything except one thing. He said, what is that, Mary? She said, I know that somewhere, sometime, I met Jesus Christ. Do you need further proof that this is not something of the mind, but this is something of the spirit? Her mind couldn't grasp anything that had come through her mind, but Jesus does not come into your life purely through your mind. He comes in through your heart. And amnesia can't wipe that away. Hallelujah. Sickness can't wipe that away. Legalism can't wipe that away. Trouble can't wipe that away. Jesus lives in you. If you know him as your Savior today, and that's the next thing I want to say, would you bow your heads just for a moment, please, with me? If you are here in this place today in need of a personal relationship with God, and we all do need it, but I mean, some of you have never experienced a relationship with God. This passage of Scripture tells us what we were as unbelievers and what a man becomes, what a woman becomes, what a child becomes when that person receives Christ. 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 